Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 49. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot. Got a host of friends with me here today to talk about the week that has been in Tottenham Hotspur, the ups, the downs, the all arounds. It's been it's been a wild one. And uh, we're going to we're going to try and dissect it all as best we can here over the next hour or so. We'll start by throwing it out to Southern California and my friend, the Todd father himself at TC underscore Cachot. What's going on, Todd? Hey, guys, any day that uh, that we get to start the week by uh, kicking the shit out of champions and <laughs> end the week by potentially retiring uh, Bielsa is uh, is is a good fucking week. How about that? Yeah, that's that's all that happened this week. All, all that we're going to discuss, right? Huh? <laughs> yeah, okay, keep it moving. <laughs> We've also got Scott with us up in the Pacific Northwest at DSM Spurs. Scott, how are you, my friend? Doing well, man. Up here in the, the proper part of the West Coast. Remind my boy Todd down there. but um, You can keep it. Uh, no, doing well, man. I mean, uh, anytime, as Todd says, you know, you get to, to talk Spurs is great. But anytime you get to wake up at 4 fucking 20 in the morning and watch Tottenham, baby, it feels good. It feels good. Yep. And you get to watch Leeds. And you get to watch Tottenham, you know, give uh, give as, as many goals as I was given hours into the day before I had to watch that shit. Come on, you Spurs. Get that coffee, <laughs> get that coffee flowing nice and early. Uh, we also go across the pond to Shuban. He is at the real Shuban. Shubes, how's it going? It's going great. And I just want to say thanks to all the folks that listened to the pod last week. I'm sorry you to hear me at two, three in the morning, but yeah, <laughs> thank you for all those guys that listened. And thank you to the guys who actually put up with me at two, three in the morning. You know, so, yeah. that last week's pod, I'm glad you brought up, uh, turned out to be our most listened to pod. And and we appreciate uh, the many of you who may be new to the pod for, for, for jumping on. And uh, obviously, when you have a result like Spurs did last week, beating uh, Manchester City, that's going to happen. You're going to get a boost in, in listenership. But um, yeah, big, big week for the Depot. We, we, have, uh, we see you all, we hear you all, and we appreciate you all. Uh, the new, the new, the old, all of you uh, jumping in and listening. Uh, we've also got Caroline on board at CG Stefco from over there in Texas. Caroline, how are you? I'm doing pretty well. Feels like there's been a lot of soccer uh, since Spurs last played. So hopefully I can have something to contribute to this discussion. Yeah, it's not every week that we um, we 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 leave it for for two different matches to discuss. And there's been a lot of other um soccer to watch we all just kind of well most of us at least sat and just watched the league cup final between liverpool and chelsea which was um certainly an event that happened uh that's about all i can say about it um the unfortunately for shuban the meteor did not strike uh one of those teams had to win of course but um you know you're right there has (laughs) there has been a lot of soccer going on and we're gonna just try and focus on you know the tottenham side of it uh which of which there is a lot there's a lot to discuss um before we get to that i just wanted to say a word i know this has been a, a weird week within the world. Um, this is not a, a, a politics podcast by any stretch, even though we do touch on some issues that that cross over. Um, and I just wanted to say that we hope to kind of be a refuge for people, a, you know, a, a distraction for, it, for, for anybody that might need it. Um, I know that uh, 
there's a lot of complicated things going on in the world right now. None of them are great, but um, you know, our, our, our well wishes and our, our thoughts are with everyone dealing with what they're dealing with in the Ukraine. And um, it's just, you know, we hope that this can be a distraction for folks from, uh, from, you know, from much more serious issues. We, we joke and, and, you know, banter on here a lot. Um, and, and we're, we're doing that with, with, full awareness of what's going on in the world elsewhere and uh, full awareness of the seriousness that's going on. But we're here to talk about Tottenham Hotspur. And uh, as, as weird of a transition as it is, let's start talking first about what happened midweek at Burnley. Um, this was a one nil defeat that I, I don't know how much Todd there is to really talk about the game. We kind of joked about this in the, in the little preamble to the podcast before we started really recording here. The game was the game. I think really what the talking point coming out of the 1-0 defeat is what happened after the match and Antonio Conte's reaction to it. But what was your takeaway before we get to Conte of, of the game itself? It's kind of just, to me, it's one of those nasty, turf moor, midweek, cold, wet, rainy 1-0 defeats that happen sometimes, right? It's turf more in February. If you, I mean, anybody who's listened to this podcast, listened to me on this podcast specifically over the past month, I've circled this match and said, I don't want this to happen. This is going to suck for everyone involved. And lo and behold, it's raining sideways because it really legitimately was just the nastiest business you'd ever seen uh, uh, up there in, in, in just a swampy, terrible place to play football in February. Um, and what happened is what always happens in matches like that. Lots of knees and elbows for about 60, 70 minutes. And then somebody gets a jamming goal to find the back of the net. Uh, and at midweek, it just happened to be Burnley. Um, you know, uh, any other opportunity, nine out of 10 times, uh, it's probably a, a, a jammy Spurs goal that, that finds the back of the net. But uh, in, in this instance, this was the type of match that Burnley wanted, especially at home. Press, 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 and capitalize. Uh, so... Um, like I said, we, we kind of uh, saw everything that you would expect to see a, a Turf more match in February, Andrew. The the big, I guess, kind of incident in the match happened when, when Rodrigo Bentancourt went down and he, he carried on for a little bit, but then was, was taken off at halftime in favor of Harry Winks. Um, Scott, b- big deal that, that, you know, Spurs new signing is yes. now, it seems like, going to be out a few weeks and uh you know obviously missed the saturday game and, and it looks like we'll miss a few more right yeah it's concerning i mean and i don't say that because wings is going to have to play because i think what you know wings will do wings will do a job but it's just more from a depth perspective right and and i think benzaker was just settling in too but just just real poor timing with skip being injured and us shedding you know the majority of our midfield in the window um yeah, but these things happen in, in the sport, right? Things time poorly, and sure, you can you can look back, and hindsight's always going to be twenty twenty as the things that could have been done differently, but they they weren't, and here we are. Um, but it's it's tough timing for for sure. But I do think it's going to give Winks an opportunity to continue to bet into the Conte system, and as we've seen from recent comments, Conte loves the dude. Um, and I, you know, I think we should all be very happy about that. So yeah, it's tough to lose Bentaker, but um, Winks Winks will do a job, and you know we'll get we'll get into this. But it's I think we'll have to focus a lot more on other areas of the pitch and other things that are happening outside of the midfield itself to see if we can get through this, right? Yeah, I think you're right about that. Um, you know, Shuban, 
I don't know what else there is to say about this game. I think I think what, what Scott's alluding to there is is the you know the midfield having to kind of produce more and and with winks, but this game itself, I mean, it was kind of weirdly, I felt like dominated by uh Valt Veghorst, the the guy who came over who, who was who was linked to Spurs, I think less than a year ago. Um, and he was the guy that kind of made things tick for Burnley, the new signing, and then you know, they get a, a weird set piece goal. What else did you see from the game itself before we move on to, to what Conte had to say? I think Burnley played the, the, you know, the absolute perfect game for themselves. They made the most out of their conditions, and they played very compact. They didn't leave any space in behind, which you know that they knew what we wanted to do, and they're like, nope, we're not going to let you do that. And obviously, uh, I don't know the German leagues well, Kaz Kaz knows the German league really well, so. But I mean, was he? Do- I mean, Kaz, was he doing this kind of stuff in Germany before he came over? Not so much laterally, <laughs> or laterally, should I say? Um, he kind of been struggling, uh, and I think that's a lot of the reason why he wanted to get that transfer out, just to be um, in a different system. But yeah, he's he's a really capable striker when he's in form. So I definitely was <laughs> well, concerned that they were going to be pressing us more than they normally would because they had the capability now. So I, I, uh, I got the opportunity when we were looking at him to go up and, and kind of watch some of his film and see what type of stuff he was doing. And he was essentially, when he got signed by Burnley, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. He's the perfect Chris Wood replacement. He's, j- he's just a guy that's going to hold up play. He's going to win every aerial ball, and he's going to find the back of the net with his head. Now, is he going to produce other than that, Andrew? Not as much. Uh, and so I think that that's one of the reasons why Spurs didn't go for him when we had the opportunity and why he ends up at a place like Burnley. So um, you're right. I think he did run a lot of the game for them. Uh, but that's because, to be entirely fair, they don't really – God love Aaron Lennon. Uh, they didn't really have a whole lot else going forward. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. It's weird watching this back game – this game back, rather. And, Caroline, I'm curious as to your thoughts on this. I, I don't think it felt to me like Spurs got – got pushed around, got dominated. I felt like they created a lot of chances, but then you go back and look at, at some of the statistics and, and I'll cite, for example, Scott's favorite XG, you know, Spurs did kind of get dominated statistically, um, especially in XG. It was 1.67 for Burnley to 0.78 for Spurs. And it just didn't feel that way to me from, from, from watching the game. It felt like Spurs had a, a fair amount of chances and just didn't execute, didn't have the finishing boots on. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I felt like we had control of the game in so much as any team can have control of the game in those kind of weather conditions. Um, but we we had some quality opportunities. I think probably that isn't reflected in the XG just because of the nature of the chances that we created. But I, I know that we had that really great free kick opportunity from Sun. I think it was Kane that ended up uh, heading it into the bar. And then Kulisevsky also had his opportunity that I, I thought was going in. So, yeah, I didn't Same. feel like the game got away from us in any sense. It's just that Ben Mee, you know, took his perfect chance and scored it. And these things happen when you play Burnley. And it was easy to kind of get caught up after the game and like the doom and gloom if you were focusing on Conte's comments. But, yeah, the performance itself was not actually like, the worst I've ever seen us play. So I wasn't panicking by any means. 
Well, and it's funny too, because the, you know, while we were watching the game, I, I can recall back, and this is a few days, obviously we're recording this Sunday afternoon here in the state, Sunday evening in, in the UK, and we're going back to Wednesday now, and there's been a game in between. But as I'm recalling this in my brain, I remember, you know, at halftime thinking, what changes can this team even make from, you know, to get something going? And the only one I could think of was maybe taking off Bentoncourt for Winks. Now, what we didn't really know for sure, because Bentoncourt had suffered the injury, but then kept playing throughout that first half, was that, that was a that was a change that was going to be made due to injury. But that was like the only thing I could think of that would even spark something more from Spurs. It felt like Spurs kind of had their foot in the game. It wasn't like they were chasing the entire time. It wasn't like they were really out of it. It just kind of was one of those slogs um, from a, you know, just from a turf more standpoint. Um, I guess I'm, I'm not trying to, to shortchange, you know, our real discussion about a, 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 t- a difficult one nil defeat. But like I said, to start i don't think there's a lot to come from discussing this game so much as to discuss what happened after the game because antonio conte's comments after the game blew up the internet for a few days up until the Leeds match and you know i todd i could tell you want to jump in so i'm just gonna let you take it go ahead what what happened after this game that led antonio conte to this rant and this was not just a case of misinterpreted quotes like it was a week or two before uh with an italian interview this was him actually going off a little bit and being what i thought was just emotional i think that's a that's a fair summation of it um i you asked what happened in my opinion a leader of men watched his team in endure what looked to be a fairly hapless and helpless defeat and felt as though he was at his wit's end. He could not physically go out and play the match for them, but you could tell if he could, he would have, because he felt like he needed to inject something into the team. That The the comments that he made felt as though they were a shot at, at the guile of his players as opposed to uh, some sort of proclamation of unhappiness, which is... Any opportunity for any amount of football media to decide that there's turmoil at Tottenham Hotspur and it's like fucking chum in the water for these clowns. So none of that was shocking to me. Uh, The only thing that was surprising to me is that he walked the comments back the next day. He was like, I'm sorry, you know, I just uh, I apologize for getting this, that emotional, whatever. At the end of the day, if you've ever led men, if you've ever led people, Right. And, and this is what I'm saying. If you've ever if you've ever led people and you've practiced and you've coached the game plan and you've told them exactly what they need to do and you've set up everything that you can to ensure that they execute it and they still fail. It's a very frustrating and infuriating thing. Um, and if someone asks you about it directly after that failure, you're probably going to give a fairly candid response despite your best bet or best uh, attempt at tact. Andrew. So um, I don't think that it's anything more than that, to be fair. Let, let me ask you this, Todd. Did, did you appreciate his, you called it a walk back. And I, I think that's a fair assessment. Did you appreciate his walk back a day later? Because I can tell you that I did. I did for context. And just so that everybody shut up. And do you know what I mean? Because otherwise it would have just been more turmoil for uh, until the leads match, right? It just would have been pile on after pile on after pile on. And that would what what's <laughs> that's what the pundits would be chatting about on, on 
on Saturday morning at 4.30 Pacific time as we lead into that match, as opposed to Tottenham trying to get back on track and, you know, the shellacking that we put on Leeds. The thing that puzzled me the most about it was was everyone, and this is, I guess it shouldn't puzzle me because, again, as I always say, people are stupid. <laughs> people, are, people are stupid. Are, people are stupid and people are reactionary, but it's the way that people turn this into a whole nother he's going to walk away conversation which is is not happening you know it's antonio conte is the manager he had said what four days before this that uh this group was some of the best players that he's ever led after they defeated man city um so for for it to be you know less than a week later and him wanting to walk away from that that made no sense this to me scott just felt like i said earlier it felt like antonio conte being emotional and i guess the thing that i want to see is just a little more and it's tough for me to criticize him in this way, but a little more poise in that moment, like take a beat and I don't know, say what you want to say and get and and think about the way you want to get it across, but don't do it in such a, an emotional way. Right. Am I wrong? Am I wrong for thinking that? I mean, I don't, I don't agree with you, but I'm not like coming at you by saying, I don't agree with you. And I just feel, and I'll, I'll, I'll walk through that. I just think this is a situation where, these managers are forced to either give a very scripted answer that nobody fucking wants to hear or even cares about, or just say how they feel and face the backlash. Like they're just put in a really unfavorable situation to begin with. As an Italian, like I, you guys know, I come from a very Italian family. We go to pasta Sunday at my grandma's house. There's 20 people just telling each other shit. They don't want to hear <laughs> about each other. No one's business. Like, Okay, and then, you, <laughs> and then you say I love you, and you hug, and kiss on the cheek, and get drunk, and then you go home. Like so, like this is this what the way Antonio Conte acts is very like normal to me, right? Because I just see it all the time for my family, um, who really has retained that Italian culture, right? I'm not just like spewing shit. Like I, I, I'm around that type of behavior a lot. Maybe that's some of it, right? But I loved it. I'm just happy to see that. Um, very honest and i really don't know like as someone who has who has you know led people before um in my career i i know that um if they if i've if i've implemented the system and they're working hard to 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 give me results based on the simple system i've implementing and it's just not working like before I criticize them, I'm going to be like, maybe I'm not the right manager in this situation. You know, maybe there's somebody who can get more out of this team in a different way. And I appreciate that Conte went there as opposed to Jose, who didn't go there. Right. Um, I think we're seeing transparency in a much more positive way. So I just really can't find criticism. But I also don't I think I said all that being said, I see what you're saying, too. And, and I don't really even want to like. Uh, oppose your opinion when I walk through mine, right? Go ahead, Todd. I, I just want to jump in and say, if you want more poise in a moment like that, after that, so should the highs and the lows of Tottenham, don't, don't hire Antonio Conte. That, that's, that's really fair. And I think Scott's point yeah. about, you know, managers will get criticized if they give the stock answer versus managers point. will get, that's a great point. Uh, frankly, Nuno Espirito Santo was criticized mightily by some of our favorite Spurs journalists uh, who I won't name, but ones that are highly respected for just saying the the well, boring thing and 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 being very being very stock with his answers and be very cliched. 
Well, look at Potch. Like Potch was very stock in the first two or three years, and then he started being candid. Right. And then everyone was like, "This guy's going fucking rogue." Like him and Levy must be at spats. Then he had the interview about needing new furniture and needing to go through a painful rebuild. And everyone's like, "He cannot get on in these interviews and say these things." Right after those same people had just moaned about his candid answers for two years. So I don't know, man. This shit would just it would suck. And I think like. If I were a manager personally, I would totally take the approach of I'm going to say exactly what I feel and you're going to have to deal with that. And as long as I'm honest about my opinion and I don't talk behind people's backs and say things, you know, towards other people and I stay focused on myself and internalizing things through through like my own internal process like Conte does. Right. Then you fucking deal with your emotions and your reactions to the things that I say. Right. Your problem. Sorry. Well, the only thing I'll say is that the reason it kind of bothered me so much is because we had just gone through the incident. What was it like a week before when he had had that interview with the Italian media Mm that got misinterpreted? So for me, I was just kind of like, he has to know at some point he has to have the self-awareness to know like what he was about to create in the fan base again, like the chaos he was unleashing um, by giving this kind of answer. So that kind of frustrated me that he he didn't realize, A, things are already like tense and shaky within it's the a, club and the it's fans. It's a read the room situation, right? Yeah, Yes, read the room. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yes. So yeah. that did bother me a But which bit. room? But which room? The press room well, or the dressing room? <laughs> because I, I, I think wait, those hey. comments were for the dressing room, not I the think it's, room. I think it's. I think it's a Tottenham Hotspur room. I think it's a read, read the room surrounding the club. Because it is, it is all connected. And I think he has to also realize that when the fans are upset, that is going to trickle up to the players in the dressing room. That's how and, I see it anyway. And frankly, what he says in the dressing room, to me, I, I'm not going to hear it. And it doesn't matter to me other than if it's sparking a negative reaction from players on the pitch. Like that's the only time it, 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 it leaks through and it matters to me. He can tell those players that they're all garbage as long as it's going to get the, get them to react in a positive way, like whatever he wants to say to them, it doesn't matter to me. But when you're in the press room, I, 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 I appreciate the honesty that he comes with and the emotion that he comes with, but I think there needs to be a little bit more of a, of a, of a rain put on creating something that's going to spark a media out, you know, outrage, like it kind of like it did Um, because you've got to know, whether you're Antonio Conte or whether you're at Spurs or whether you're at, at, at Inter or, or Chelsea or wherever, if you say something like he said, that's going to create a reaction no matter where you are. But well, what did he say exactly? Like, and, and this is what, this, and this is what I'm kind of getting at here is if we're going to take the man at these words in the heat of the moment and say, despite the fact that he came out and was like, this is an emotional response. And I'm just responding from where I'm coming from in this moment. Like if we're going to go back and really be like, Oh, well, if he said something like that at any of these other clubs and yada, I mean, come on. Like, I, I already he, feel like there's too he much. Literally said, he literally said, I, he wasn't sure if he could fix this. Yeah. So to I, me, I think it's comments. That is incredibly I think it's <laughs> comments like that, whether he, when he's, when he's openly questioning whether or not he's a fit at Spurs a week or two after, you know, well, all of this stuff came out in with after his interview in the Italian media, like like Caroline alluded so, to, like 
if he's I'm, questioning that whether or not the, the club needs to make an assessment about his future, that's that's something that you're going to that's going to spark something. So I'm not saying this is not going to spark something. But what I am saying is you said something that Caroline didn't say. You said he's out there questioning, is he a fit for Spurs? And what I heard him saying in that context was, I don't know if I'm good enough to fix this. I don't know. And so that is not a disassociation from Spurs. That is simply saying, I'm racking my brain over here trying to figure out what the story is. That That's a that's a very good point, Todd. And it's a point that that I take because I do think that when you when you look a little deeper into the comments and don't just read them on a piece of paper, but when you watch them and watch him say them, whether it was in interviews or in the press conference, because he said this multiple times, said these types of things questioning his ability. I do think it is that. I think it's him questioning his ability to fix a problem that he has taken on mm-hmm. rather than questioning whether or not Spurs should have brought him on or, or whether or not he can continue. I think it's him questioning which I also think, by the way, is a little ridiculous because I think you have to have a little bit of knowledge. Like I think you have a little, have a little bit of knowledge that you are Antonio Conte and you've 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 taken on big projects before and had had great success at at clubs. But but I hear what you're saying. He's it was more him questioning his own choices and his own abilities and and those kinds of things. It just it all comes off in 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 the in the whole tornado shitstorm that has been this tenure. It all comes off as overly emotional, and uh, it, I don't know, man. It's it's it. It gave everyone a lot to grab onto in the forty-eight or so hours between Burnley and Leeds. Which well, either that or they started talking happen. about that shit performance, and so better that, and then he walked the comments back later on. I mean, like if you think about it, oftentimes, I don't know, Scott, if you've ever done this, but but there's certainly been situations where. I've stepped in front of a bullet for one of my guys or for my team so that the focal point could be on me and not my guys so that they can kind of rest or get themselves together or, and I honestly, like, I feel like that type of emotional response from a manager as shrewd as Antonio Conte, I don't know, Andrew, maybe there was a little bit more intent in it than we're giving him credit for. I, I, I totally hear you. We're literally you know, we're reacting. None of, none of us have discussed this. We're all reacting to this in the real time. I want to bring Shubon in because Shubon had some internet problems, but is now back with us. And, you know, Shubon, the thing about what Conte has done and what we've read about after these matches too, that actually is, I think a good thing is that he takes some time after these matches to decompress before speaking to the media. I think he's been taking between 30 and 40, 40, 45 minutes before actually going out to speak to the media after matches Maybe he needs an hour, an hour and a half. I don't know. But what do, what do you, what is your take on his reaction to the Burnley match? I think it's a combination of it's a very tough schedule because essentially he's gone some um, um, the Etihad, come back, get ready for the next game, go back up to Burnley, get ready, lose, and then like lick the wounds, and then like oh my god, I've got the next game to come back. So you're kind of yoing up and down, up and down, up and down, and it's kind of like a. I know yes, they travel first class on a private jet and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? You grab me after a crappy day when I've had a really long commute, you're not gonna you're gonna you're gonna get a very truthful me and a very emotional me. I just think it's just noise. I mean I know I mean I think we've spoken about this before. When I when I hear the comments I'm like, okay he said that. What's happening with the next game? Who's he gonna pick? I try to ignore it. I focus on the next match. And that's all I try and do. And I and I know 
obviously he was Spurs fans, people will pick apart what he's saying and that kind of stuff. But do you know what? My my do you know basically and I know and I know I, I do this, so do you know what? Well, we lost to Burnley, I made a few comments, chatted with you guys, and then do you know what? I've kind of avoided Spurs media for about a couple of days. Yeah. And then went on to like, oh all right, what we what are we doing for Leeds? And I know that's probably not the right thing to do, especially when on a Spurs pod, but no, that's what I, I find out. I, mean, I disagree with you. I disagree. Day, I think there's, there's, I think it is the right thing. There's going on in the world yeah. for me to not add to my worry list, if that makes any sense. Shuban, I, I think you're spot on, mate. I think it is the right thing to do. And I think the other problem that people run into when these kinds of things happen is that they, and this is a perpetual problem with, God, I'm going to sound so old man yells at cloud right now, but this is a problem with society is that we read headlines and we read tweets rather than reading articles. And when it comes to reading quotes from a manager after a match, we we just read the quotes and we don't go and watch the context that 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 the that the manager or the tone that the manager tried to put the quotes in. So I, I do think all of that is important as well. But also to your point, maybe just like log off for a few days and go get them, go get the next one, which is like the other big important thing. And and that's what Spurs did is they moved on and reacted Whoa. well. Yeah, and I think to add to that too, I, on the Burnley game itself and and the timing of all of this, it's just like a micro example of how stupid Tottenham and soccer fandom can be sometimes. Because mm-hmm. honestly, like if this game had been in the middle of those three in a row and he had this those three losses in a row against whomever it was, I don't even know anymore, and he had this reaction, eh, all right, yeah, you're frustrated. We all are, right? Like we had just beat City, beaten City. Um, we're always going to have a tough game against Burnley. We're always going to have a tough game against a team that plays a low block, whether they're in the fucking League Two or the Premier League. Like that's just <laughs> literally Leeds let us play so well, and we'll get to that. City is going to get forward. It's not surprising to me. Burnley, we we're always going to have a tough time because our wingbacks are not playing good enough right now. And all like, so I understand your guys' frustration because Conte just could have been like, look, we just beat City. That's always a tough game, regardless of form. Like, the, the three matches before City were the problem. I hear you guys, like, we're working on things. And he could have came out and said that, but he was frustrated. I have no issues with that. Right. But like, I think the whole world is looking past the fact that we were, we were always going to have a tough time in that game. If you look back to, to 17, 18, 16, 17, right, whenever we had 86 points, we always needed Trippier and Davies to win those games, right? Walker and Rose would play against your cities and your Liverpools, you know, in your tough matches. But when we would have to go break down Watford at home, Trippier would come on and do that for us, right? So, like, that's all this is, and we're just looking past that as a fan base, right? It's just a loss to fucking Burnley, and maybe that's why it feels like an overreaction from Conte, but I just don't think it was. I wasn't asked because um I don't know what it is. I know in your American sports, I think your baseball, you have like incredible amount of schedules and traveling and everything like that. And I'm guessing after every match, do they speak to like the coach and like you know? I mean, I, th- I think just the sheer relentlessness of it. And I'm guessing he says something. Do the fans ever react, or is it just the Premier League kind of thing? That's um, what I don't I, know. Obviously, it's interesting. That's an interesting question, Shuban. In baseball, there's so many games. You know, they play 162 games now. They're they're not going to this season because of of you know, the, the collective bargaining agreement disagreements, but um, they, they, they play so many games that there's, mu- there's a much more like 
24 hour rule. Like they come back every day and play another game and they're playing six, sometimes seven days a week. So there's not as much downtime in reacting from game to game, but they do speak with the media after every game. And they're in baseball. You're going to get way more stock answers than you will in, in soccer or in football. You're going to get the, well, we'll go, we'll go back out and get them tomorrow type of, they literally have classes as to how to do it. Yeah. And in and in and in soccer so, or or American football, it's it's way different because there's there's fewer games and there's more time between them to react to it. So I have a question to piggyback off of that. I you know I didn't watch a whole lot of Conte's previous teams, so my question is: Does he have a reputation for reacting this way? Because since we were talking about American sports, it got me thinking yeah. about the San Antonio Spurs coach who was like infamous for being really terse and unfriendly to reporters. Um, I, I'm just asking, like, is this typical of him? Because to me, that was the, the kind of thing that made me nervous was like, oh, God, is this a new thing for him? And we've like no. brought him to a new level of uh, frustration. No. And I think, I I think, I think Scott kind of alluded to it too. I think there is a cultural thing with this, with with being Italian. I think, you know, and and I don't think I'm speaking completely out of line here. There's an Italian emotional thing to this as well. And I think there's a lot of people for it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, There's an emoji for it. It's the, you know, it's an, an an expressiveness. It's an expressive. I think, I think that's that's a better, I think that's a much better way of putting it than the word emotional. I think expressiveness is the right word. And, and I also think that people are trying to tie this, this stuff that that Conte is doing with Spurs, and I don't think that's fair. I, I do, no, I, I do think, I do think that this is something that has been, uh, you know, a, a track throughout his career. Um, and he's not the only one. Let's let's also state that. But this is not something, you know. I've seen a lot of um, bullshit, I guess, is the way I'll put it, on on the internet the last few days about, you know. Conte is Spurs. Spurs are, are are Spursing Conte, or Conte is Conteing Spurs, and all this shit. No, th- this is the guy that's managing Spurs right now, and it's like this is this is what it is. It's not. There's no like cross pollination, and and one's dragging the other down. It's just. No, it's, dude, and, what's and how long has he been here, Andrew? And that's right. that's the other thing here, man. Yeah. No, it's it's only been a few months, and there's still a, a <laughs> there's still a learning curve to be happening. Right. There's still he's still kind of betting in a it's not like this guy has had a ton of time with these players on the training pitch. He's had some, but not enough to to really get them playing how he wants to. Here's the last point that I want to make on this is that you, you can't have it both ways with Conte. You can't be extremely excited to have him come in and be the positive influence in the training pitch and be that that pillar of intensity and, and be the guy that's changing the culture and um, then be you know shocked and and disappointed or, or or discouraged when he gives you an emotional answer after one to loss at Turf War. I, I I think you're I think you're spot on. And look, there's a there's a negative way to look at it, which is how Conte did. We've lost four of five after Burnley. You could also say now Spurs have won two of three because they went on Saturday and ripped apart. You know, I'm United. a fan of threes, Andrew. Let's let's look at it that way. Um, Leeds nil, Tottenham Hotspur four. This was a comprehensive victory against a team that is struggling mightily, which we we have to put all those caveats on. They they sacked their manager. 
uh, today officially. Um, it's I, I believe that's the second manager that, that Spurs have had sacked this season after beating the shit out of them, which is kind of, you know, put a put a feather in the cap for that, I guess. Um, but Kane and Son combine again for another goal, break the Premier League record. It's 37 now. They pass Lampard and Drogba. Um, Matt Darty scores a goal. Like this was about as comprehensive as a as a collection of victory you can have. They Spurs and 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 Scott, you alluded to this earlier. Okay. You go back to last week. Spurs play Manchester City. Everyone goes in thinking this team doesn't have a chance. Manchester City are going to rip them apart. But then you realize, oh, wait a second. Spurs can actually do a job against Manchester City because of the way that they play. And City are going to come at them, and that's going to give Spurs a chance to counterattack. And what happens? That's exactly what happens. Spurs not only counterattack, but are in the game the whole time and play really well and beat Manchester City. They go to Burnley midweek, a team that's going to play a lower block. And Spurs struggle, and they lose 1-0. But then they go around and turn around and play against Leeds, a team that's going to come after you and going to play, you know, Bielsa-style ball. And you kind of – I I know for me personally, and I'm not going to speak for the, the other four of you on this call, but I had no issue going into this game against Leeds, Scott. Like, I, I thought Spurs would have no problem winning this match, not just because Leeds were in the form they were, but because of how they play. And that's, I think, the bigger picture here when it comes to Spurs is they they can play well against certain teams that do certain things, and they're going to struggle against other teams that do other things. But for me, 4-0 was, you know, it, maybe even a little better than I expected, but I would have expected Spurs to have a comprehensive win, and they sure did. Yeah, I mean, I, I was not concerned, but Todd, Todd, Todd wants in. I'm going to let him jump in and pass it back to me here before before I give my spiel. Oh, all I was going to say on this is I agree with you 100%, Andrew. It's I mean, when you look at this match on the schedule, you're like, oh, there's, there's I mean, four goals in this match at least. Like, And, and that's just kind of – that's how I looked at it. I didn't know if it was going to be 2-2 or 3-1, but I was looking at goals. Well, and I'll tell you what, the way that it played out, it could have very well been like 8-3. Get <laughs> but, facts. But, but, I mean, it was it was 4-0, which is great too. And, and Scott, I'll just – before I pass it back to you, thank you for letting Todd say what he wanted to say because he just wanted to agree with me, which is great. <laughs> but – but go on, your assessment of the game. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, no, 100% agree with both of you. I mean, this was one where I was very confident we would score goals. Um, and I felt pretty good about, you know, our defensive uh, prospects with, with that back three, you know, really taking shape. Um, I was a little bit concerned with how we would progress the ball, right, knowing that Benteker and, and Skippy were both out, but we did just fine there. Uh, but, again, you know, and, and of course, you and I had some fun back and forth on this yesterday, as we always do. I always I'm always going to find something to like start fighting with you about during a match. Right. Yes. yes but ultimately, you, you know, Leeds just made it so easy for us to just have a fucking field day against them. And look, I love Marcello Bielsa. I have literally books on my bookshelf about all his formations and the way he approaches the game tactically. Like I'm a nerd for this dude. And I would still take him at Spurs over Conte right now. Like, I'm in love with him, right? I'm serious. But he is just dumb for continuing <laughs> to play that way. Like, why? And and it's just because he's Argentine, and it's because he's, like, potch in 20 years. And he literally just came out and said in the past week, like, sure, I could easily change my approach, and it would probably be effective. But why would I do that? You know, like, And, we're, and everyone was like, 
Well, I think there's some reasons why you might do that, right? Yeah. But he's like such a principled guy. He's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to jeopardize the way I see the game to, for results. Like, you, you know, of course I wouldn't do that, right? He just gets sacked instead. So it's a weird deal, and I want nothing to do with claiming that we got him sacked. Like, I'm sorry, Martello, but you know, here we are. So he should not have done that, and he made it so easy for us to just batter leads yesterday. So you brought up something really interesting a minute ago about being slightly worried about the way that Spurs would be able to progress the ball because of the midfielders being out with Bentacore and Skip obviously still being out. The thing that you've been hark- harking on for, for, for weeks, though, under Antonio Conte is needing more out of the wingbacks. And, whoa, baby, did they get some play out of the wingbacks. Shuban, Ryan Sessignon and Matt Doherty combined for the first goal in this game. And my eyes went, oh, holy shit the wingbacks are playing really well in this game. And it's not even really the two wingbacks that we thought would, would, would shine. Like if you, if you go back weeks ago, we kind of thought it would be Sergio Reggion and Emerson Royal, but instead it was these two guys. What did you make of the way the wingbacks played? Cause they, I thought those two other than, and we'll come on to Harry Kane. Trust me, folks, we'll come on to Harry Kane. Cause he was obviously the star of the show, but the wingbacks were really good, right? Well, I think, well, again, the caveat leads were ridiculously poor. Yeah. So you can't use that caveat in there. But what I liked about that is they had the confidence. Sessignon had the confidence to throw that, you know, put that ball in. And Doherty had the confidence to get forward you know, and play that kind of, just stretch that pitch very wide. So you play that kind of win-back game. So I like the fact they had the confidence to do that. Whether, um, and like I said, I mean, I don't know how good Sessignon was in his, in his Premier League season. He had a Fulham. I think he scored at least three or four goals, got three or four assists. So he's a player that has ability. Um, And Doherty, I mean, I think, um, I'm I'm saying this from as a goal, but I think the season before he joined us, or that season, he he had only Trent Alexander-Arnold had like more assists for a right-sided player. So whatever it is, it just wasn't working. Now, is this going to be the magical game where it just... You know, they get their confidence back and now they're like, this is, you know, they've had their spinach and now they're going to demolish everyone. No, I mean, I don't, I, I genuinely don't think that. I think we played a team like Leeds who, I, th- I think Todd can appreciate this. If you're playing a style, if you're an MMA, MMA guy and you're a BJJ guy and the guy just takes you down, you're like, thank you. Thank you for taking me down so I can play my jiu-jitsu game against you. That's exactly. What you I don't have to worry to about your striking on the way to me trying to take you down. Yeah. Like you, you basically, you're basically doing half my job for me, basically. Exactly, and, and that's how it felt. That's a great comparison. And then that's what Leeds did. They Leeds did our Leeds did like half our job for us. Now I think the fullbacks did play well, but when I was watching that, I mean, I think in the second or third minute they had a header, a free header, which they could have easily scored from. And with better finishing, it could have. I, I honestly do think we could have, we could have gone the other either way. So I, I got to give credit to Marcelo Bielsa for thinking, yeah, do you know what? When it works. It works spectacularly well, kind of thing. But it's either it's one of those. I don't I don't know if Americans have marmite, but it's one of those things that it it's you know. But it either works really really well, and you absolutely love it, and you're, yeah, put some more put some more of this on my toast, or you want to spit the shit out of that devil piss and think no, I don't want to have that at all. Or you compromise and you have twiglets, which are a lovely, lovely compromise. I, I think that many people have referred to Matt Darty as devil piss in the past, but the way that he played Todd 
on Saturday. I, <laughs> I want to see that guy play a little more over over what we've seen Emerson Royale, right? Am I wrong? Well, listen, I, no, you're not wrong. Um, but again, I think that it has to do with the type of match that we're playing. To yeah. Scott's very point earlier, I mean, in that season where we had to go break down, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> people <laughs> playing uh, defensive 10 men, uh, you know, you would bring in your tribute to, to, to make that happen. Um, same thing here. If we can actually, if Conte can actually get a song out of Matt Doherty and turn him into the guy that we bought from Wolves in that, as that right wing back, um, fantastic. I mean, it's not that Emerson. So this is what I saw. This is what I saw. I'm far more confident with Reggie and Royale when we're needing to defend all day long. I am far more confident going forward with Doherty and with Sessegnon. I think Sessegnon, personally, wing back, I think Sessegnon is the best wing back we have at the club. I, I think that's a fair shout. I will say, and I agree with you, but I will say there was there was a moment in the first half yesterday where I think we already had the 2-0 the lead. I don't think it was 3-0 yet. And the ball was turned over by Spurs uh, in the offensive end, and Leeds had a break. And the way Matt Darty tracked back and stopped the, the the counter i was like oh this guy is is and for a guy who's taken so much stick i mean look we can leave sessions a young player who is i think still developing as a wing back in conte system but the way that doherty has been you know dragged through the mud since he joined spurs i just thought good for that guy for going out and having a hell of a game even if the opposition was what it was well, I'll say two things on that. First and for, well, actually, with that last statement, I'll say three things. Three <laughs> things on that. It's still Premier League competition, so I don't give a fuck. That was a Premier League goal. It's the first one Matt, Do- Matt Doherty scored for the goal for for the team. Secondly, it's a hell of a lot. Uh, it's a hell of a lot easier to track back on defense when you've already put one in the back of the net. And you're kind of sure. feeling yourself. So, I mean, Matt, and assisted on Matt- one, by the way. <laughs> And 100%, right? So so Matt Doherty having a good day is definitely, you know, going forward is definitely going to lead directly to Matt Doherty have a good day going backwards. And the issue that I found and the reason why I would like to see some more playing time out of Matt Doherty personally is because I have not seen Emerson Royale give me that consistent end product that I want going forward. And I just feel like that hampers our offensive ability so much that we can't depend on consistency from his right foot um, that I just, I'd rather, and especially, and I want to make this, this contention here, especially having the back three that we now have with, with Romero on the right and being as forward as he is, as opposed to it being Sanchez and having to rely on Royale to kind of like make up for Sanchez's Sanchez-ness. Um, it, that's, that's kind of the, the contention that I want to make there. But I, I think Matt Doherty is going to play more under Conte, Andrew. I really do. Um, just one thing I wanted to say. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this. There's a clip going around. I don't know if it went viral or not, but there's a clearance by Matt Doherty in, in the City game or something. He comes on very late, and you yeah. see him like pump his arms because he's the, here's the, here's a player that basically was very bereft of confidence. Yes, he's he's had some really poor crosses. Things have just haven't been going his way. He was then reunited with his former manager, who he thought would you know get the best out of him, and it wasn't working. And now he's on his third or fourth manager, if you can, you know, how much you can Ryan Mason for. And, you know, I think confidence and believing in your ability. I mean, I'd like to see him play against Middlesbrough, who are obviously the championship side, and just say, look, just try out. Go out and do your thing. Show me what you can do. Try and, you know, just do what, do what you've been doing and just, you know, go with it. Because I think 
these players, yes, they earn got they they, they earn absolute fortunes and blah 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 blah, but they're human beings. And I mean, I don't know if you guys saw this, but there was an Instagram Emerson Royale. He 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 put a post something, and then he had to limit the actual answers to the replies because he got a whole lot of shit for it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Ultimately, these players, as long as you do you know what. As long as you give me a hundred percent, yes, you're going to screw up. Everyone makes mistakes. I'm, I'm, oh my god, I made a shitload of mistakes. But as long as you give a hundred percent, you don't, you're not like walking around on the pitch. That's all I ask. And you know what? That's what the players did. And you know what? They, to be fair, they did that against Burnley. They gave a lot of effort. Ultimately, that quality that we needed, that little extra bit of quality, just wasn't there. But as long as you give me effort, that's what I want to say. And that's well, let's face it, we weren't seeing that under Nuno. We had, I think we were bottom of the league for runs and sprints. And we're what, I don't know where we are now, but we're probably much more higher up up, up, up the pitch. Well, we were high for a while. Sorry. And that's what I want. I mean, like I said, Doherty played well, but it's not about, you know, that game's gone. You know, you have now, now show me what you can do against Middlesbrough. Show me what you can do against Middlesbrough, by the way, not, not, not bro. Or bro, or whatever you got, whatever Americans like to say, is seeing, yeah. And as I think Todd says, I think if you've got this at the hot hand or the heavy hand or whatever, yeah, you know, players are playing well. What's why, right. why, why move off that? Yeah, I, my my favorite part about that saying is listening to you trying to remember it. <laughs> no, Shubon, Shubon beat me to it. I think you know they very well said, and, but but I do think you know building on on everything he just said, I think. More so than the confidence in this match in itself, I think going forward, this is so important for us and to his piece about show me what you can do now. Because I take it back to the conversation we were having on our group chat on Friday, I think, right? In the in this system, if without a cam, you need your wingbacks to be on ball wingbacks, right? If you have a good cam, they, they shift to be more off ball wingbacks in this system, right? We saw it with, with, with Rose and Walker and Erickson, the, Erickson just fed those two all day long down the flanks. It was amazing, right? But we we don't have that without a cam, and so these guys have to be on the ball, and they have to be able to produce on the ball, and they both did. And so, again, it was Leeds, but Matt Doherty was very good at Wolves, right? I was excited when we signed him. It it wasn't. It was one of those signings that just felt very very practical and very efficient right and we never yeah. got that manifest um it's starting to right under a very good manager who uses wingbacks religiously um it makes a lot of sense right i think we'll see a resurgence from him he but as shuvan said he needs to continue to build and sessignon if i'm conte i'm salivating at the fact that i have ryan sessignon in my ranks like seriously that is it's such an important position and he's so just tailor-made for it right it's what put him on the map playing in that role. Um, and then he went into the Premier League season and they asked him to play right wing instead of left wing back. And he scored three or four goals and everyone he had just been he had just, I think, was player of the year or was on the team of the year in the championship at like 17 years old. Right. Yeah. The wing back. And then he goes into the Premier League at 18 and is asked to play right wing. And everyone says, why can't this kid bang goals for fun like he did last year? Right. Well, he's in a tougher league. He's 18 years old and he's on the other side of the field in an advanced role, right? What the fuck? And so now we're back to where he can play for Conte, who plays, who coaches his position better than anyone else on the planet. And these two are going to thrive. 
if if data holds true, right? We shall see. But yesterday was a good example of that. So it's really exciting. We don't have a fucking cam. I don't really understand why, but because of that, we have to continue to get this production from the wingbacks. Um, and Dakota and I were playing FIFA last night. The last thing I'll say, and you know, we we asked on the as we were just chit chatting, right? Playing. When are we going to start hearing things like, "Is this troublesome for Region?" And the answer is definitively no because you can't have one wing back in a wing back right so it's super exciting we've got four guys now emerson's got a little bit of work to do but we're close i like it the one thing i want to say is we do have a cam his name just happens to be harry kane caroline there (laughs) fair yes very fair well i was just going to say i think it's a really good point that depending on who we have lining up defensively is really going to um what's the word necessitate having those different wing back pairings. Cause I think Doherty has kind of been underrated for his attacking instincts. It seems like every time he plays in a game like this, where he really has the freedom to go forward, he gets in really good positions to score. So I'm excited to see more of that from him. And I kind of love this partnership that he has going on with Sessegnon. I don't know if y'all saw his interview from after the game, but he was full of praise for Sessegnon basically saying like, Great romance. you know, I trusted that he would get the ball to me. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're, you're spot on about that. And I, I do think it's something that can continue to develop. Obviously I didn't hide my notes very well from, from Todd. Cause he jumped the gun on my, on, he was, I was going to say the same thing about Harry Kane. Harry Kane is this team's cam and Todd, you shared a, a video that I think was going somewhat viral uh, on on the bird app earlier of Harry Kane's performance against Leeds, I, I don't know if it was the best performance he's ever had in a Spurs shirt, but I think it goes in the top five immediately, top ten. Well, immediately. I mean, I mean, it's you up there. say that you say that, and then we just had this con- same conversation last week, where all the pundits in England were saying that the performance that he had against Manchester City was the best and, performance and, he'd ever and, had in a Spurs shirt. The fact of the matter is this, and I'm going to say it clear as day: Harry Kane is the best player to ever put on a Tottenham shirt, period. Shuban disagrees, which is fine. fine. And and I'm going to get the Glenn Hoddle debate from folks, and I appreciate it, and the Teddy Sheringham debate from folks, and I'm going to appreciate that. And some folks are going to say Jimmy Greaves, and I appreciate that, but he smokes cigarettes in the loft room at halftime. We're talking about a different (laughs) game, okay? What I'm saying is that Harry Kane is the best player to ever put on a Tottenham shirt. All right. I was at the Harry Kane breakout game for the Chelsea, I think New Year's Day in 2015. And we were all in the pub after saying, oh, my God, the hell the hell did we just witness? Because we were like, how did he get so strong? How did he get so powerful? And if anything, if he, he looks even fitter than he did last, you know, than, than in the Pochettino days, he looks ridiculously fit. The energy's there. Maybe it was the post-21, you know, the, Euro, the Euros, final loss hangover playing under Nuno and wanting to leave but clearly something's working now but I definitely think to call him uh, first of all I'm not going to say one one player is the greatest player or not because uh, there are a bunch of players who I never saw because they, they, they played long before I was born so therefore I wouldn't ever see them and even Glenn Hoddle to be fair I barely remember him because I, I was nine when he left so I can't say how good he was I Consider people say, oh, was it Gaza? Well, Gaza or Gaza single-handedly drag us to an FA Cup final. but And he had two, two, three amazing years. But was he the best player? No. I 
I don't like going to the whole like this is our best player for player. I can say this though, Harry Kane is probably when I look at him and I think, wow, this is one of the finest players I've seen. I'm so glad I get to watch him. And I am just hoping that he has a bit of silverware that goes beyond the individual records. I mean, I don't know. I mean, again, I, I don't know your, your American sports, but I'm sure you have players that have like a scoring record, but have never actually won a championship. They just have this some kind of individual player record. Yes. They've never yeah. actually won the championship or whatever. Yeah, there are I don't plenty. want that to beat Harry Kane. Sure, that's fair no, there, no, and and Todd, the one you mentioned, Dan Marino, is the first one that came to my mind as well. The former quarterback of the the Miami Dolphins, who uh, never won a Super Bowl, but is one of the one of the best quarterbacks uh, in NFL history. There, there's a number of uh, these types of players in baseball as well. Ernie Banks comes to mind, the former Chicago yeah, Cub, sure. never never won a championship, but was one of the one of the best baseball players of all time. There's there's a lot of those examples out there, um, 100. And I agree with you, Shuban. It would be nice to get this guy. Um, a trophy. I, I want to focus in though on specifically this performance against Leeds because I, we can talk about the the broad picture with Harry Kane all you want, but um, the, and 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 there's plenty to talk about there. But this performance against Leeds was insane because, as Scott mentioned earlier, we don't have a cam. Well, this guy's the cam, and he's the nine, and he's doing a lot of other things too. He's doing defensive work. He's he truly is on any given day Tottenham's best you know, attacker, midfielder, and defender on any given day. Now, Christian Romero might have something to say about the defender part of that right now. Um, maybe even Eric Dyer, but, and, and hell, I'll even shout out Ben Davis because he had a hell of a block yesterday to, to keep a clean sheet. Um, but Harry Kane is doing it all. And with the wingback play, the way that it, with the way that the wingbacks were able to get free yesterday, both Sessignon and Darty on both sides, it, that is what allowed Harry Kane to drop so deep, collect the ball, turn and fire. And we saw him fire on multiple occasions to Dar he, he got Darty free at one point late in the game. He got Emerson Royal when he, when he had come onto the, the pitch, the got, fact that, that Royal didn't score that goal pissed me it, off so bad because incredible. that pass was so good. The pass was insane and Royals in on goal. And you're right. I don't know how he doesn't score, but like, these are the things that Harry Kane did throughout the match. Um, the goal he scored, which Todd will shout out your boy Pierre Mihoybier because he's the one that put that ball into him, and what a pass that was! But That's even my Viking, as good as the pass was, the finish is just audacious. It's just a, it's, I, it was my my jaw dropped literally, and and that doesn't happen very often. My jaw dropped when this man put that goal in, and honestly, at that point in the match, we're inside of thirty minutes. Spurs go up three nil, and. That's the game for me. I I have no. It was before five fifteen on the West Coast, Andrew. I it's early, man. You've barely had your second cup of coffee, and Spurs <laughs> are up three 0 30 minutes into a game, and I'm sitting here going, "Well, this thing's over," and I can just kind of relax here and sit back and watch Spurs just kind of. I mean, it was really like the cat had caught the mouse and was just playing with it at that point. I mean, that's what it felt like for the rest of that match, and then for him to do what he did at the end of the match, and the pass that he hit to son, I have, I mean, it was like, and we brought up, we brought up an NFL quarterback a moment ago. It was like a, an NFL quarterback's pass over the shoulder. The it was, thing. it was dropped in so beautifully. And it was like, son just looked up and the ball was there. And it was like touchdown, touchdown Spurs. I mean, that's, that's what it looked like. It was absolutely one of the most incredible passes you'll ever see. And again, another jaw dropping moment for me. 
Well, shout to Sun for bringing that down so cleanly. That pass 100%. is not nearly as beautiful if it doesn't have the silky reception from Sun. Uh, and the finish, right? It's it's mm-hmm. a, it's another ruining Harry's gr- uh, greatness gone awry if he doesn't slot that in. Sure. But um, it's Sunny, and Sunny is clinical. And uh, I just want to say, I saw some dribble written about our man Sun on the internet today. Uh, and, and, and it made me sad and it made my head shake and it, uh, Sonny is a goddamn icon and we are lucky to have him. Dude, I don't think anyone has outperformed their XG in the past, like five years, like more than Sun has. I, I know my XG. I just talk shit about it. <laughs> <laughs> People don't appreciate him enough. It is so true. He doesn't get the credit that he deserves and it drives me bonkers on a weekly basis. But just to get yeah, back he, to Kane and Sun, that goal, I, it makes me so happy that they broke the record with such an exquisite goal because it's going to go down, you know, in history, and it, rightfully it should. That's and, a great, that's a great shot, Caroline. And it's going to be half any. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying it won't get broken. Obviously, records, obviously that record of Lampard and Drogba existed for many years, but Lampard and Drogba were in such a were in such dominant teams, and for Kane and Sun, I mean, let's face it. I mean, I think they showed the first assist or something, and that was against Middlesbrough, by the way, Borough. <laughs> and, uh, and that was like, what, a year into Sonny being at the club? So they weren't really linking up that well, not, not at first. But I think as Sonny has developed and gone on, I, mean, that's, I think that's one of the reasons Deli Ali is no longer at the club. Well, that Sonny is just a much better stride partner for Harry Kane. He just, mm-hmm. you know, the speed he has, the intelligent movement, everything. It just worked so well. I mean, I think, I mean, Todd mentioned Teddy Sheringham. There was a, if someone said to me, my favorite pass, well, my favorite pass was a pass that Teddy Sheringham did to Jürgen Klinsmann against, against Liverpool, I think it was, in the FA Cup. And it was just absolutely beautiful, instinctive, as if they knew where each other was. And it was just, it worked so well. And if anything, I mean, Teddy was my favorite player in the in the, in the horrible 90s that we had on under Anna Sugar, but what we're seeing Kane do, I just don't. I mean, I don't. I mean, I, whether he'll whether he'll beat the record of um, Alan Shearer, I don't know. But to have as many assists as he will have, that he probably have more assists. I mean, I, can't, I don't know who the assist leader in, in the Premier League actually is, but he could probably be knocking on that door as well. Well, and to I'm... have a striker to have that can do that has that is in the top ten for both those numbers is incredible. Yeah, that's a fact. I also think that that kind of the uh, the arrival of their partnership had directly to do with the fact that um, prior to his departure, Erickson was providing many of those assists. So it had to be coming from somewhere now. Dude, Harry Kane is the best player in the Premier League, and that is not a controversial statement. Like, no questions asked, right? That, but it's funny though. Yesterday, that his ball. His ball, the sun. He was he was playing as a four center back when he played that ball. Like no 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 question about it. Um, and I laughed at to Cat and just said, you know, like he's he's in the center back position when he plays that ball. And then all I could think was like, well, Toby did that in his fucking sleep. So cool, Kane. Like keep it up, bud. Um, no, I, I and I'm totally kidding, man. Like that was a fucking incredible ball. And I will say too, I think. Popped into my head earlier when you you know you mentioned the the hangover Shuban from the Euros. Like, I was a little bit harsh on Kane this summer about some of the stuff with him leaving, right? But God, that guy would probably is just 
honestly recovering from something that was really challenging to get over mentally, which I think the the missed opportunities for Tottenham are one thing, right? The Champions League would have hurt, but the missed opportunity for England, like, holy shit, as the captain, right? Um, that's tough, too. So I think we're starting to see Hurricane just, you know, and it's not like it just happened against Leeds, right? He's been back for a while, but I think we're starting to just see the best Harry Kane that we've ever seen. Was was he recovering from something that happened with England, or was he recovering from Tottenham Hotspur hiring Nuno? Uh, yes, and, and, <laughs> and, and and also just like the probably honest to God, the most grueling thirty six months of his entire yeah. professional yeah. life. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah. So, so I, yeah. Yeah, I might even retract some things that I, you know, that that I maybe said. Oh, here we go. Jesus, I'm glad I tuned in for this fucking podcast. Hold on, guys. Yeah, everybody, everybody. Not elaborate. I'm just going to say there may be a. <laughs> give everybody a give everybody a second to turn their devices the volume up a little bit here before. Go ahead. What's that cat? Hey, I gotta go, guys. <laughs> By the way, uh, the the assist numbers. <laughs> I, I did just look them up. Uh, Harry Kane's not going to break the Premier League assist record. Neither is neither is him and Son. Uh, Harry Kane is tied for 87th in the Premier League with 37 assists. Uh, Hyungmin Sun has a few more of those. He is up uh, at 44. Uh, the leader, though, is Ryan Giggs, and he had 162. <laughs> so those numbers are uh, a little, little elevated. But the goal score, the goal combinations record, rather, uh, and and Shuban, your point about you know, Lampard and Drogba being on dominant teams, that that's a point well taken because, you know, really spurs the reliance on Kane and son has been at times their greatest asset. And at times part of their downfall in the last handful of seasons. And it's something that um, somebody pointed out at the beginning of the season, where are the goals going to come from? Well, a lot of them are going to have to come from Kane and son once again, just like they did last year be- because when they weren't coming from Kane and Son last year, they were coming from guys like Carlos Vinicius and Gareth Bale. And those two guys aren't on this year's team. So, you know, the, the, when these guys are humming, um, that's what leads to Tottenham Hotspur doing really, really good things. And by the way, when guys like Matt Dart here are contributing a goal and an assist in a game like this, and, you know, Dejan Kulisevsky is chipping in as a new signing, like, these are all good things for Tottenham Hotspur and all things that um, that we can kind of get behind and, and kind of, you know, appreciate. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I think the, the, the point that, that, again, Scott, I don't want to credit you with too much, even though you want to confess all your wrongdoings here. But the point you made earlier, it, this was always going to be a match. Burnley was going to be a challenge. Leeds was not. Uh, and that's not to say that they that the that the results couldn't have been reversed because these are actual football matches that need to be played on the pitch. But when you look at these matches on paper, this is kind of how this week was always going to go. Well, and I think that just that again, the, the uh, I guess umbrella answer here, or the thing that I think we always have to focus on is that it's going to be a long two, three, four, or five years for this club to get back to where it wants to be, and. Michael Dawson happened to say that to me and Caroline and Todd and Andrew live recently. And she, all five of us were on that call. Holy shit. So you guys all heard him say it, right? Yeah. Love you, Michael Dawson. All jokes aside. Let me, let me break too and say thank you to the proud Lily Whites for that, you know. And all Shout out, by the way, to the proud Lily Whites celebrating their eighth birthday today. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. To the proud Lily Whites too. Chris and, and the whole group, they're very good people. And they are champions of a very, very important 
mission and message. So thank you to them. Thank you to Michael Dawson. But, you know, all that all that said, you know, Michael Dawson did say himself that he thinks the next six seasons belong to City and Liverpool. And I think fans need to 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 be on board with that and, and just have realistic expectations. And I say that all to say the wheels aren't going to fall off anymore when we lose to Burnley. And let's make sure we don't think we're winning the Premier League when we smash leads, right? We just take it a match at a time. Um, yes, records were set. Yes, it was a very fun day. We got a lot of work to do as a club. Burnley is probably not a prime example of what that work is, right? Because that match was always going to be that match, and here we are. So up the Spurs, but we really got to like chill out as a fan base and take it a match at a time because it's just getting a little bit ridiculous at this point, right? Well, to your point, and there was a report this week, and I don't want to get too much into where the report came from or or, or the validity of it, but um, our boy Dustin Dietz did ask on on social media at Tottenham Depot, um, you know, wanted to talk, wanted us to talk a little bit of top four chances now, and the the report came about Conte saying that he's had discussions with Daniel Levy about being back in the summer. And look, I think we take all of these things with a grain of salt and say that sure, we hope that you know, Spurs do a little more in the summer, even than they did in January, which so far so good. Looks, looks, looks like uh, they're starting to strengthen in some areas. And I think we always kind of knew that this club was going to have to get some pieces out before it brought more pieces in. And that is the process that, that is going through. But when it comes to top four, I think a lot of people after Burnley last week, and again, this is the nature of sports fandom and reactionary stuff. But after Burnley last week, I put something out on social media that, no losing to Burnley doesn't erase what they did against city. Um, it's not, you know, this, this doesn't erase everything that Spurs are trying to accomplish. People were telling me that um, top four was over and done and dusted and no, none of that's true. And now after they've beaten leads, people are like, Oh, well maybe this can happen. I think if we all, and this guy, this kind of goes to what you're saying is take this game by game and just hope for the best and, and take that approach you know, you look at Spurs right now, and sure, they're still five points behind Man United for fourth spot, uh, two games in hand on that club, two games in hand on West Ham in fifth, um, a game more they've played than than the Arsenal, uh, who are three points ahead of them, but obviously still a game with the Arsenal that they uh, so cowardly avoided. Um, I, I don't know. The, to me, top four is still on the table. I, am I... Am I just I'm not being a happy clapper by saying it's still on the table because obviously mathematically there are still a lot of games to be played. Um, 13 of them, if my math is correct. And that's a lot of points on the table, right? Yeah. And I think the big key is going to be those games that we still have yet to play against our rivals for top four. Those are going to be absolutely mm-hmm. huge. I still think it can happen. I'm not definitively saying it will happen. I don't have that level of confidence, but it's still on the table. And I, I think one thing I would love is for the fan base as a whole to just focus on the games coming up and not worry so much about getting backing in the summer. Like I'm, I'm happy for the club to be doing that behind the scenes. They should be, (laughs) but let's focus on the task at hand. Let's get behind the players that we do have right now that we need to have great performances for these last 13 or however many games it is. You know, get behind the team. That's the important thing. Um, To go with what Caroline's saying, at the end of the day, we get Champions League, then obviously it makes us, number one, obviously there's a bit more money in the the kitty for us to buy players and we're more attracted to other players. But if we don't, then it's not as if we're like City or Chelsea and we just throw loads of money at the situation. We can't. 
we all we want kind of thing. So let's just focus on, you know, the Middlesbrough game, <laughs> and then go on to hopefully you know beat Everton, and then you know, from there it's just one game at a time because we, like I said, in Kane and Son, I I think I can't think of a better combination that we've had. Maybe maybe Sharon Sharon and Jurgen, but yeah, you know, I can't think of any better combination we've ever had. Statistically, we, there's not one. No. No, just in terms of the style, just watching them play. I mean, you know, just watching them. <laughs> it was just, I mean, I, I got to see a lot of Ted, like Teddy and Jürgen and just watching, like, we, we, we knew how good Jürgen was, but when he came, you're like, wow. Yeah. This is how amazing he actually was. And then, and obviously, we knew how, Teddy, how great Teddy could have went on to be because obviously he won the treble, won loads of things at United. So, you know, we, know, we knew the quality he had. Now, what I'm hoping is, that in Kane and Son, we get to see that quality deliver titles or deliver silverware for us. And like I said, I, and I'm, I'm really confident in that because ultimately, I think defensively, if we can sort that out, we can just somehow manage this paper over the cracks and just get to the end of the season, hopefully get to FA Cup final. And then who knows? You know, if we you know, get the right set of circumstances, we can get, you know, get ahead and, you know, and hopefully even get in top four because top four. I mean, I mean United was so wasteful against um, Watford yesterday. I mean, credit to Mr. Soko, he probably scared the crap out of United. Said, look, you know what? If you try and beat us, I'll beat the crap out of you. <laughs> but no, it's just more of a case of you know all the top four teams. Are, you know, apart from unfortunately the Woolwich, you know, the Woolwich, not the Woolwich, as some people like to say. Um, you know, up to up up, very much inconsistent. They're not having great games, and that's and that. In itself causes a drama because right now it's what two there's what there's always three kind of races in the Premier League it's the race for the title the battle to avoid relegation and in this case you've got what four or five teams going for top four which hasn't happened I can't remember the last time they ever happened and normally it's only between like two a couple of teams so to have five teams I mean Sky and BT must be going absolutely licking their lips saying you know what we haven't got used to games to actually try and plug the sign you know. Yeah, well, I, I think you're right. And let's let's remember, top four is the goal. Fifth is going to be an improvement on what Spurs did last year. Like, if, well, they get into, okay. if they get back into the Europa League, that's better than being in the Europa Conference League. Okay, can we just not use the Ryan Mason season as a barometer for what Spurs have been? Like, just let, like, we are where we are. Okay, like, I, there were some stats on the Bird app this week. It's like, well, if Tottenham replicate the same form in the same matches that they had last year, we would all jump off of a bridge. If yeah. Conte has the same results that Ryan Mason had last year. So you just you just call it what it is and say that top four is the goal. Otherwise, all of this goes away. Just call it what it is. It like, very well might. Everything that we're doing right now, all of these players and this Antonio Conte and the Paratici and all of this does not, is not sustainable without Champions League. And I think that to, to overlook that is silly. However, if... This club does not prioritize giving this fan base, Caroline, to your point earlier, a trophy. Soon, <laughs> people are going to lose their minds. Oh, you and mean I they haven't they, already lost their minds? <laughs> I mean, fair. So, looking ahead to Bur to, to Middlesbrough, uh, they haven't kept a clean sheet in six matches, but they also haven't been uh, beaten at home in seven matches, Andrew. 
I don't know. What do you think? I've I've said earlier this week we're winning the FA Cup this year, and I and and I know that that I could be accused of being the happy clapper in that feeling, but I just I have a feeling. I think that Spurs um, need a comprehensive victory on Tuesday. Um, this is this is the period in the uh, FA Cup that Spurs have uh, been knocked out. The stage that they've been knocked out in the last two seasons, uh, two years ago to Norwich, uh, last year to Everton. They need to to get past and get into the quarterfinals of this competition and go from there. Um, it is an open competition. Uh, it, Spurs may not have the the depth that other te- that other clubs do, but they certainly have the ability to go and win a competition like this. But you can't win it if you don't beat Middlesbrough uh, on on Tuesday. Like that's that's what has to happen um, before any of that. And to Caroline's point earlier, you know. The top four chase, yeah, that's that's. I think. Uh, look for me, I would take top four right now over an FA Cup because I want Spurs back in the Champions League next year. But that is going to be a challenge because of the teams around them. And and to Shuban's point, there are so many teams involved in that. Spurs get to play those teams though, and that's what's great. In March, they have games uh, against Manchester United and West Ham. They they play Brighton, who aren't really in the top four conversation, but who are right there. Um, they have a lot of these games against these clubs. And like I mentioned, uh, a game still that has yet to be rescheduled against um, that, that team. That yeah, Really quick, I, I do think on the top four piece, I do think I have to pose, pose this point at least, right? And it's, it is controversial, but oh boy. look at Conte's 18-month deal, right? Um, oh, it's not that controversial. You'll enjoy it. But <laughs> I look at Conte's 18-month deal, right? And we certainly are going to want to get Champions League to continue to progress the club without question. I'll never argue that, right? Let's say we do get Champions League next year. We invest in a few areas, yes. You know, we can only do so much as Tottenham. Um, a lot of it based on our competition for signings, right? But, you know, we'll do what we can. If we have Champions League next year, if we have four competitions, um, data shows Conte struggles when there's not much time in between games. A lot of people have been diving into that recently, right? We've seen it. Um, with an 18-month deal, if we don't have Champions League, let's say we miss out on Europe completely, like that's where Conte goes and wins a Premier League, right? So my question is, like, do we want a Premier League title quickly or do we want to continue to progress the club? Because if we have Champions League, I don't see us winning the Premier League. Yeah, I, I really don't. I'm look. I got to go downstairs and get my my oven mitts to to grab this take of yours. I mean, I, saying that saying that Spurs, if they don't get into Europe, can compete for the Premier League next year. I'm sorry, man. You just got done saying how this is probably Liverpool and Man City's league to 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 fuck around with over the next six years. So inserting Spurs into that say, conversation, I think we're going to win the Premier League. I'm just, I'm posing. I you implied it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, my preference is Champions League progressing the club. That is where I'm at right now. I do not care. I do not think we're going to win the title in the next five years. I agree with our boy Daz, right? But- I also I also think, though, that if, if Spurs are to finish top four this season and go into a summer where they know they have Champions League football incoming, I think that gives the club, you, you say there's only so much they can do as, as Spurs. I actually think that gives them a lot of freedom to go out and do a lot more than you think and make signings almost well, like 
almost like the Luis Diaz signing at Liverpool, where hey, we that's a guy for seventy million when the yes. whole world wanted him. I'm not arguing that we can can't do that. I'm asking a serious question that is like not La La Land, but like, and not not that you guys are there at all. I don't mean to imply that, but I'm just saying like this is a serious question that some people are going to ask because there are people who are going to value Europe differently. And I I'm just saying right now if we have if we have a group stage in the Champions League for the first half of the seasons, we will have played ourselves out of the Premier League by December. No question I, in my heart and mind. Of I that. think your point about Conte's managerial style is, is well taken. I agree with that. What? Can I just say though, if we if we don't get into Europe at all next season, I That's I don't see us failing. making any any quality transfers, and so then yes. we're even further back in the you know line of. No, at that point, Conte goes. Well, no, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, because Conte point, might not stay at that point. You know. That's the 18 month deal I'm referring to because Conte will go after his mercenaries as he's done in the past. Like he's he's got his connections for his mercenaries to bring in and go for a league title. He did it at Chelsea, right? So I think ah, it's interesting. You know, Conte, so, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say he doesn't. We don't have the funds to do that without a top four run this year. Is my point. We're not going to finish oh. fifth and go out and sign Dybala. It's not going to happen. You guys sorry, don't need to sorry, Dakota. Sorry, Dakota. I assure you, I'm with you. But guess what? So, but, We're probably not going to finish fourth and go out and sign Dabala either. <laughs> like, e, I was using that as a, a, a I know as what a you're point. saying. You you get it, and that's and that's really what this boils down to is that I don't know that we have the cachet to attract the type of players that we need in order to make that league winning title run. Can't even believe those words just came out of my mouth without finishing top four of the season in order to stack this summer with that type of talent. Yeah, progression Agreed. towards an eventual Premier League title is the play, right? No yeah, question. for sure. Well, in my mind. Well, and but. so maybe I think why I bring this up is like I know what progression towards eventual success means with this fan base, and I just <laughs> ain't looking forward to that shit. Like, and I think that's like the thought progress on the back of my head, right? It's gonna just be nasty around this club for a little while. Um, Again, can it get can it, at, at times? Can it get nastier than it already is? Though that's kind of Dude, this is I'm one at. of the nastiest organizations to be a fan of in sport, in my opinion. At times, at, at least times. in the, at least in in European soccer. Yeah, it's hard. Only English soccer, <laughs> like it's hard. So listen, if you li- I agree with you wholeheartedly, Scott. If you listen to the broadcast, at least in, in in America, I'm not I'm not sure what it was like for Shubes, but if you listen to the broadcast in America yesterday, they spent the entire time talking about what was wrong with Leeds instead of the fact that Tottenham was up four 0 If you listen to the way all of the lead ins and all of the lead outs were always with Leeds as opposed to Tottenham, and Andrew loves when I nitpick this shit I, because he loves to tell me that there's nothing going on and it's just whatever that it was. But the thing is, brother, is that it's consistent and yeah. it's only with Tottenham. Uh, all right, Todd, not imagining but, it. I hear okay, it but too, to be fair, they did sack their manager. <laughs> like they're that that was the story. This was a team that was in free fall. But the story, but the manager. story, but the story last weekend was about Man City losing, not about Tottenham winning. And the story at midweek was about Tottenham, uh, or was about Tottenham failing to break down this monumentous Burnley team. And, and at least that's what we were hearing in America. Shoes. I'm curious what it was like for you, but from my perspective, from our perspective, Caroline. I, I, it's hard to say that I don't hear bias, Andrew. I've got to say, though, I can't see Todd's hat, but is that tinfoil or um, leather? Because I have no <laughs> idea. But um, no, what I was going to say was, um, look, 
is there a Spurs agenda? Do you know what? I I don't really give a shit, to be totally honest. Um, it's kind That's of like in, the, in one ear out the other. I mean, at the end of the day, you know what? You stick Tottenham on something, you're going to get angry people. Like, we have this, we have this um, I don't know if, if you Americans have it, but we have this um, talk sport. And the amount of people that just get angry when TalkSport says something, and I'm like, you realize that you realize there's a reason why they're saying it, right? Because they're going to get you angry, well, and you're going to ring, and you're going to be angry, and that creates drama and all kinds. Of, here's the thing: I'm just, I'm just gonna say that. Do you know what? First of all, Leeds. First of all, Man City losing is huge news. That was huge news because they're expected to walk right through us. We've lost two games on the bounce, and that was a huge upset. And it was, you know, it was like, how did they lose this game? And that, I can understand the narrative there because Pep is seen to be this incredible, like, oracle of a manager. He's knowledge and wisdom. And he's, he's like the Obi-Wan, Yoda. I have no idea. All, all I'm hearing right now, Shuban, all I'm hearing is is the justification of a beaten fan. I, I just, I, I truly <laughs> hear it. It's, just tell me, tell me why it's all right some more, Shuban. It is, it is really what I'm hearing right now. It's tough to listen to. Andrew, the reason why it matters is because it negatively impacts our fanhood of the club, our fan experience as the as a fan of Tottenham. Like, to listen to the announcers talk disparaging or with the tinge of disparity in their voice when they refer to Spurs or how they phrase things or the scope that they're using to view the, the conversation through is never in a positive light for Spurs. And that's something that I'm looking at as kind of a fan base as a broader whole, because that's the narrative that's being passed through this. And that's the tough thing for me. I think that um, going back to your point about what was the coverage after City, I think the coverage after the City was was fairly positive. I think, I think, yeah, there was an element of it that was how did Man City lose? But I think there was also an element of it that was, wow, Tottenham Hotspur kind of beat City's ass and played really well and good for them. I, I do think there was, it was an element of it to that. It was but, more but, Kane is Kane is Kane. It was never Spurs, Spurs, Spurs. Make the distinction. It and, matters. And in the game, in that stoppage time scenario, when they were, you know, egging on City to win the game after all, like you could hear it in their voices. Yes. I, I totally agree, Todd. Like, I, yes. I don't think we're being like. Well, look, where, where I was <laughs> where I was going with that is I was going to agree with you guys in the sense that after they lost to Burnley midweek, it turned into well, there's the story of Tottenham. They, they're going to beat a team like City, but lose to a team like Burnley. And that is just you lazy. fitting the narrative? Yes, you it's lazy. Projecting and the it's narrative continually? It's disrespectful to Burnley, though. Burnley... 100% it is. Agreed. Burnley went away to Man United, and they, they got a creditable draw. They then beat the crap out of Brighton, Hove, Albion, and who everyone's like, oh, shit, we should have a great partner on the manager because... He's managed to, he, he's got some good results against Chelsea. This is the nature of the Premier League. This is the nature of sports. This is like, I, I don't know whether you have for your sports like clickbait stations or something. Yes, 100%. But, it's everywhere. But, but we have that. And do you know what? It's kind of what drives it. I mean, I don't, here's the thing people, I mean, I, I don't know. We have um, Graham Sunes who's on Sky and like they, they'll have him because you're, well, I don't know how it works in Americans for the American coverage. <laughs> But what you'll do is, if Sky are covering covering it, you'll have a former player from one team from from, from either side, and for whatever reason, they keep having Graeme Souness. And Graeme Souness, 
Yes, he played for Spurs for all of two years before he basically couldn't get the games he wanted, so he pissed off. And, and that was it. And that was probably, if Bill Nicholson, God rest his soul, had made one mistake, it was that. He never gave Graham Souness the chance to become the player he obviously went on to become. And it annoys me, but you know what? Yes, I can get annoyed by it. And yes, I'm probably a beaten fan by it. But you know what? Here's the thing. I try to watch my team. Do you know what? If people say shit about my team, let them say shit. It's like, it's like if that thing in Roadhouse. It goes, what if they call me my mom or a dick? It goes, well, is she? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and that, well, that's, that's the best American accent I can possibly do. I'm I sorry. Shuban, to your point, everyone thought and everyone used certain phrases thinking, okay, Leeds got their ass beat midweek by Liverpool. What's going to happen on Saturday when 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 Tottenham come to face them? And I'm not going to use the phrase because I'm not going to you know promote other podcasts and 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 go into tropes. But everyone thought what was going to happen was going to happen, and instead it was the opposite. Instead, you know, Tottenham laid a whooping on Leeds, and and you know uh, everyone thought that Tottenham would go there and just be just what um just what Leeds needed to see in that moment. So that wasn't the case though, and the positive coverage comes out of that as you know, Tottenham beat Leeds ass. No, but that's not what, no, 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 no. That's not the, the coverage that came out of that. And I think that that's the distinction that we're trying to make. And I don't want to belabor this point too much, but it is consistent. It's why I say it. Because you asked, someone brought up the point of Tottenham Hotspur, you know, it, being a fan of this club is bad for your health or something along those lines. And sometimes it feels that way. And this is, I think, contributes to that. Is because when it's bad, it's made to feel a thousand times worse. And when it's good, it's made to feel like, nah, it's not that good. You guys don't deserve that shit. It'll be bad again soon for you. <laughs> well, that's where I look. I, I hear what you're saying. And I see those kinds of comments all the time on the Internet, too. And that's when I tell people, find something else to do then. If you really think that 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 supporting this club is bad for your health and it really puts you through that much misery, go read a fucking book or go Whoa. like listen to some music that you enjoy or yeah. take a walk in the park. I'm sorry, but like we get on here and we try to have and and to Shuban's point, there are tons of clickbaity, you know, whether it's talk sport in the UK or whether it's and obviously they're not covering um you know european soccer but whether it's shows that are you know in the mornings on on networks like espn where it's just you know bickering back and forth and arguing and all that kind of shit and it's all clickbait we try to have a little bit more of an intelligent like intellectual conversation here and we we get in our feelings sometimes and we we have fun but we try not to do the bullshit clickbaity regular stuff that you hear elsewhere and i think that's why we have so much fun doing it and why our listeners enjoy it so much if you're not having fun watching a, a, a entertainment product a sport i mean if you turn on a really shitty movie and you know it's a really shitty movie 15 minutes in are you gonna watch the last hour and 45 minutes of that movie no why would you do that turn the fucking movie off and go do something else. It's the same when it comes to your entertainment product in sports. If you are so miserable watching this club and think that you have to watch it or something, guess what? You don't. Well, yes, yeah. Well, what I would say is the other thing that you can do is uh, just turn the sound off and it makes that life too. a lot easier. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Real, real quick too. I think first I'll say this, like if anyone listening would like to chat about ways to, process this quickly and like get back to life because it can be challenging at times right like this club is something that people are very passionate about happy to chat about ways that i've learned to do that right um 
it's not better holier than that. As long as they're legal in your state, you can do that. Yes, exactly. If they're legal in your state, you know, and I, <laughs> if you're in my state, I may have some options that you don't have, but I'm in Washington, right? But, uh, Jesus, should not have gone there. Thanks, Andrew. But anyway. <laughs> Believing it in. Back to the what podcast, baby. I will say this, too. All jokes aside, you know, I, I'm happy to chat about ways to, to really actually, you know, find ways to process some of this, right? If it's hard for you, always happy to chat. Also, one thing that I will stand firmly by, and I will always stand firmly by this, is American sports are a business, but I enjoy it more because there's always a chance. And I think, I shouldn't say that, I enjoy Spurs significantly more than any of my American sports teams, but with American sports, the Rockets are terrible, terrible. We never can come close to winning games. I know in three years, we're going to fucking ball, and I'm just like, here for the ride, right? Because... There's always a chance you see the progress. The problem for some people with European soccer is always going to be this. Like as a Spurs fan, I know we're going to progress. I know we're going to get better, but city and Liverpool are going to progress more and faster. Like I, I truly believe that my team will always have a very hard time competing for titles. I just, I know this, right? Like the model and the way the sport is set up is not conducive to Spurs getting to where we think we're going to get someday. Like, I'm just going to say it. it's pessimistic, sure, or whatever. But I love this club. I never miss a match. The reason I'm so passionate about Spurs is not the same reason that I'm passionate about the Houston Astros, right? Like, when we lost in the semifinals last year, I was just pissed. Like, you guys are shit at baseball. Figure your shit out, right? Like, that's not how why I support Tottenham, right? Um and I think it's really important to have that foresight. And this is just my opinion, but like we're going to progress in three years or whatever our plan is, right? Under Enoch, blah, 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 stadium, blah, blah, blah. Well, City is just going to keep getting more money and they're going to keep buying better players. Like it's just out of reach for me. And like that's okay. So I, I'm not asking you all to join me there, but like I think that's a huge part of why. I'm five minutes after a match, like kind of forgotten Tottenham have played, and I'm just like back to my life, right? Well, um, yeah. I don't know. I'm kind of even playing a match sometimes with you, Scotty. But... <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. No, I, I think that that's you, one I'm of the reasons why. Too, man. Like you, sorry, real quick, Todd. Like Shubon has helped me get to that point where like Tottenham is just something I love dearly, regardless of the result, right? Like you've been a huge part of why that I've been able to get to that point, right? Because I go to London to see you and just like, catch a match while I'm there. Right. Like those are, the, that's what it boils down to. And I, I just, you know, I'm not in this for trophies cause they probably aren't coming guys. Like we, yeah, we'll snag an FA cup, but like, I don't know. We'll man. Snag, let, Spurs. Sorry, John. We're going to snag something we haven't won in 30 years. My guy. Yeah, like, that's, I mean, no, yeah, no, and that's what I'm saying. On, visit London, basically visit London, come see Shobon, and then he'll take you to a Spurs match. My face is on it. the adverts. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, look, there's, here's the thing. I like the fact that I mean I don't know if you guys ever have ever seen Fever Pitch. Have you ever seen that Fever Pitch? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's basically unfortunately it does cover them lot down the road, but it's basically about essentially about a fandom. It's like how basically on a Saturday afternoon he gets to be as ridiculous and childish and I mean that's what football is. It's just it's it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be an escape, and it can be really ridiculous. I mean that's like I think there was something about was it Peter? wanted Spurs to change their nicknames because it referred to animal cruelty or something. 
So I bet, so, so Kaz, you better watch out for your, for your Spurs just in case they, they go after yours. Do you know I mean? your, is it it's a, it's a different well? kind of spur, Shubon. Yeah. It's, okay. It's, I have no idea. It's not just an saying. animal. <laughs> yeah. Um. But, yeah, but, but, they, but they use that spur to like do something to the horse to get the horse going, and I'm sure Peter will be annoyed about that. But what I'm saying is it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be a ridiculous escape. And if it's not fun, do you know what? Why are you doing it to yourself? It's like. It's like, it's like that guy in uh, Da Vinci Code. He's whacking himself in, in the face or something with a stick or something. It's like, you know what? Are you going to watch Spurs as your daily punishment or something? Weekly punishment? I'm going to punish myself and I'm going to self whatever it is to myself just so I can purge my sins. No, it's meant to be fine. It's meant to be an escape. And the reason we watch is it's not a guaranteed result. It's not like, oh, we're going to beat the crap out of this team. And that's what keeps it interesting. If you knew what the result was going to be, I wouldn't bloody turn up. And even if we're going to win one nil, I'm not going to. You know, if I knew two hours ahead that we're going to win, yes, I. But I, I put ten grand on us to win one nil. Yes, I would do that. But apart from that, no, I would want. I like the fact that I don't know what's going to happen. I like the fact that it could go on. A, you know, it could. You know, you so, go from being two one down to being winning three two like we did against Leicester. I like that. Kind of I stuff. think as I'm sitting here listening to this, Shubon. Um, I, I agree with you, and I certainly appreciate it. It's one of the things that, that makes football the greatest sport in the world, and I appreciate that entirely. But I also think that one of the reasons why, at least for me personally, that I struggle is because of the Americanness of my fanhood. And I like really good stories. And I'm, I also like it when the good guy wins. I like when justice isn't done. I like when Harry Kane gets to lift a trophy instead of Musa Soko getting a penalty called on him in the first two minutes uh, of, uh, you know, of a, a Champions League final. It's just erroneous and egregious. Like, like that's not justice. That feels I, I like when when Lucas Moore doesn't get called for a handball while he gets pushed to the ground and it casually hits his shoulder. I like justice. I, 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 I like feeling as though. The the positive through lines are things that you can hang their hat on, and that could be American of me. And I and and for that, you know, I, I don't apologize because it's one of the things that that I like. I search for resolution in things in life, and I think that that I'm lacking resolution as a Spurs fan lately. And that's something because prior to Potch, as a Spurs fan, you knew what you were, and with Potch, we got this hope. Yeah, yeah, and that started to grow, and that it's started to build. And then we had these world-class players. And then we had 11 full internationals. And then we had six guys on our club that were the captains of their international team. And then we were looking around going, wait a second, we could actually win some shit. And then, like Whoa. that, we're That's seventh. Another- and have Nuno as our fucking manager. <laughs> that- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this now. Maybe, obviously, it's different for me because, like I said, I've said it's – I think, I mean, I've, you know, I've, I've told this story often enough and it, it basically involves Cat not going to jail. But Tottenham was set up because it was a bunch of lads who wanted to be together, who just enjoyed each other's time and wanted to be together. I honestly, my, in terms of going to overseas sports club, my probably favourite times, and I'm probably going to piss off a whole bunch of people in other sides of the parts of America, was with the Chicago Spurs at, at the Atlantic Bar. I made so many friends that day. Both times we lost the game. And I'm surprised they, they, they'll ever let me in there again. But I enjoy my club. I enjoy the people I'm around with. Because you know what? I don't know. Maybe I'm not into – I'm not that ambitious. In, and, that, and that's one of my flaws. I'm not like, oh, I want to do this. And I'm going to do X, Y, Z to make X, Y, Z, you know, you know, ABC happen. I'm not that kind of person. I just like to enjoy life in my, in my downtime as much as I can. 
And for me, it's just hanging out with some really good people. And I've got to do that. I mean, what, I mean, like, I mean, I think what was it me and Kat? I mean, we. I mean, even though we lost against the spammers that day, just hanging out with Kat and Scotty, who I'd only met, who I'd only met through the internet, but about a year before. And then what? A year. Fast forward a year later, I'm in a foreign country and um, in a place I've never been to before, watching my hometown team play. It's it's for me. It's glorious. Now I think I get that, and I and I'm very lucky to have that. A lot of people I know don't have that opportunity. One of the best things, one of the things I'm hoping for when I go back to the states is to hang out with Andrew in Phoenix. I have no idea where Caroline lives, but I'm going to go with Texas. But, um, yeah, I'm saying, but and, you know, and hang out at the harp again with you know with TC. Yeah, I mean that's for me is I don't care if we obviously I will care if we lose the games. But that will give me the greatest joy, and hopefully going to different places and just enjoying that. That's that that for me is my my trophy. I've got what eight or nine scarves or ten scarves. Those are my trophies because that says I've managed to make people. I've gone beyond my bubble. I mean, I live in probably the greatest city on earth. And what did I, what I do this weekend? I did a bunch of housework, laundry, and all that kind of stuff. But <laughs> these are the moments where I get to go beyond my city. And this is what I really enjoy. And, you know, how and it's not for everybody. I mean, some people would like to be, you know, enjoying seeing silverware. You know, Liverpool fans are enjoying that. But here's the thing about the CSO at Liverpool. That 2018 season, they just about scraped into the Champions League. And because they did that, they are then able to build upon that. And it's those sliding doors moments. Who knows? Yep. I was at the Leicester, I was at the Leicester game where Harry Kane hit the crossbar. If he doesn't, that goal goes in. Who knows? We could have ended up being Leicester for the title that season. It doesn't happen. But you know what? I don't think about oh, what could have been. I think about what's happening now. Am I enjoying it? I enjoy it when we're winning. Don't enjoy it when we lose. But do you know what? I'm looking forward to the next time I get to chat with my mates, hang out. That, that, that for me is my is my silverware. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. I always say that my favorite moment as a Tottenham fan are the two hours leading up to the Champions League final, when you know we were at the heart and four hundred people are just spilling out the doors into the streets and just banging on and singing Spurs songs and making fun of Liverpool fans. I mean, it was it was truly just it was you know there was a handful of those guys that showed up and you had to give them a hard time and and it was one of those things that made the community of Tottenham Shuban. Is unrivaled. Well, and to, to that point, Todd, I've, I, having been to matches in London, right, I still would say that the friendlies in the U.S. far and away, you know, Trump now seeing Shubon and that stuff is like separate from like being in the stadium at the match. What I'm talking about right now, right? Like, of course, like the things outside of Spurs are a huge part of why I'm in London. But when I'm at the stadium versus when I'm with you know, 300 people here in the States at a preseason friendly, no one fucking cares. It's like Amos is playing. Right. Um, it's great. But I value that more than, than being at the stadium in London. Right. Because of the atmosphere and the people that I'm with. Right. But it's a friendly. And so like, that tells me everything I need to know. Right. Like I'm more hyped about a friendly than actually being at the stadium because of the people that I'm with. Um, but I think this all ties back into, what we talked about last week, the false expectations and false hope, right? Like Todd, you mentioned earlier when we had that, that false hope, it was so exciting. And then Potch gave us more, more actual, actually not more false hope, actual hope, right? We actually had that hope that was false for so long. It was kind of ripped away from us. And now we have this false expectations, right? And we're trying to ba balance that out as a club 
So I think that, you know, all that to say, if you can kind of sort through that, right, I think it really helps right now and understand that our expectations are probably false, right? Um, the false hope is exciting. That's exactly why I'm not really joking when I tell you guys I'm just a cup guy, baby. Like, I'm not really sure if it's if 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 we're playing in the league, yeah, I'm, I, and it's 4.30, I might roll over and watch. But <laughs> when it's a cup, you know, you never know what can happen because I think – the, uh, the hope is a little less false in a cup situation. And let's go with some true. Cups, maybe because my comment earlier about, hey, the Premier League is just probably out of reach or, or trophies are out of reach for us as a club. I'm not referring to the Champions League. I'm not referring to the FA Cup. I'm not referring to the League Cup. Fuck, give me the Conference League, baby. But we're not winning the Premier League for a long time is what I'm saying. And that's okay with me. Well, this is my cup every week, guys. Uh, getting to and this is kind of where where we come back to hanging out with y'all and and where the relationships are built. And you know, I won't I won't be as as long winded or sappy, but um, you know, that's this is what it's all about is is doing this thing and and doing it for the listeners and getting to interact with them as well. Um, we are going to be back next Monday. A little bit of a change in our schedule because Spurs don't play next weekend. They play Tuesday against Middlesbrough. Then uh, against Everton next Monday. So we're not going to do a pod next weekend. Um, we're going to do it next Monday night-ish uh, into Tuesday and then get it, get it out to you then. Um, because, you know, it, would, it wouldn't make sense to do a pod just about Middlesbrough and, uh, and then preview Everton a day later. So um, thanks to all of you for listening to this long-winded and long-rambling thing. Todd, go ahead. You got something. Yeah, uh, just the last thing before we get out of here is I wanted to take this opportunity to refer to number 19 on the uh, Premier League all-time assist leaders list, Mr. Christian Eriksen, for making his return to the Premier League. I was getting the there, pitch. yes, thank you. For, for the Again, first reading my game. notes. Apologies. <laughs> no, you're good, man. That, <laughs> yes, uh, a great sight to see. Erickson back on the pitch uh, in a Premier League match playing for Brentford uh, yesterday. And that was that was very cool. Uh, we'll also have uh, the women's team coming back next week to action. So um, Caroline will be able to fill us in on that. Um, but we will be back with you a week from tomorrow. Uh, we're heading into March. Guys, this is um, it's getting getting down to it, getting real. So uh, it should be fun. Be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Uh, you can do that on Apple and, and Spotify now. Uh, so do that. Follow us at Tottenham Depot. We'll run through the socials here. Scott is at DSM Spurs. Shuban is at the real Shuban. Caroline is at CG Stefko. Todd is at TC underscore show. I am at a Stetka. Uh, until next week, when we've got plenty more to say about Tottenham as we did this week, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>